Welcome to the Potential for What podcast. On this podcast, we explore how a range of business leaders unlock the potential in people. We'll hear how they've done it, find out what has worked, what hasn't, and why this is so important in getting and keeping great people. Most businesses focus on the here and now. That is all about performance. But at Let's Talk Talent, we like to think differently as we fundamentally believe everyone has potential. The question is for what? So let's explore that together. I'm your host, Joe Taylor, Managing Director of Let's Talk Talent, a talent management and organizational development consultancy based in London, the UK. I have a request. If you value this show, if you enjoy these stories or find this wisdom or inspiration useful, please subscribe to the Potential for What podcast to listen to future episodes. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Let's Talk Talent, the Potential for What podcast. Today, I'm joined by Matt Wallace. He's a specialist in HR search at Tucker Stone. Hi, Matt. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm really good. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, indeed. I've been really looking forward to this conversation because I think we can go really broad because for our listeners, it'd be great to understand how the role of potential fits into a specialist in HR search. Perfect. That sounds great. And, And thank you very much for inviting me on. I think potential is a really interesting word. And actually, ever since um, knowing I'm going to be having this conversation with you, I've been thinking as well as to what potential means to me and how I try to spot potential in, in what I do. For me, fundamentally, potential is someone's ability to make a difference to either somebody else or to an organization. And actually, that potential can be vast, it can be smaller. But fundamentally for me, it's about what can that person do to engender a difference somewhere else? So that for me is what I try to spot when I am identifying individuals for roles, albeit to your point and then the title of the of the podcast, the potential for what is obviously a massive difference in every single role we do so that there isn't one fixed way that I would define it, I suppose. And how does that play out when you're talking to clients? So you get a brief and they say, look, I want a pink unicorn, this person to be have all the skills and competence, but actually they've got to have high potential and be the next big thing. How do you marry that in terms of giving them what they want, because that's your role, but also pointing out the nuances or some of the gaps that someone might have? Yeah, and, and that's the critical thing, which I think over the years I've learned to do better at I think probably earlier in my career, I probably would be guilty of overpromising um, and maybe at times under-delivering because you can't find all things or you can't be all things to all people sometimes. I guess for me, the most important thing is to really truly understand what it is the organisation needs and why they need it. And actually understanding more about the environment, whether that's a leader's style, whether that's the business itself, as to then understanding what potential looks like in that environment. You use the word high potential there. And I think there is a massive difference between someone being classed as high potential and for someone having potential. And actually, I think high potential is is a real double-edged sword, particularly in my line of work, because if a candidate is deemed as high potential, quite possibly they aren't ready for that role now. So I think there's a negative connotation sometimes about someone being high potential. And actually, that's unfair. So I think it's really understanding all the factors that are going to influence both the individuals we're looking to find and the environment they're going to go into to sort of marry that fit. 
and fit is a dangerous word as well but that's that's something we can we can possibly talk about later because that's interesting isn't it because um one person that's brilliant in one organization I remember back to my Channel 4 and Talk Talk days, you know, a candidate would be great for a creative organisation like Channel 4, but wouldn't necessarily fit in a commercial organisation. How much does sort of environment, culture, I suppose the secret source that exists within an organisation play into someone realising that potential? Entirely. A lot of what I do when I'm interviewing candidates or or just informal conversations with candidates is really try to understand what energizes them, trying to really get a sense of what they look for from their leaders, what they are like as people leaders themselves, what traits and skills they have or where they feel that they're thriving. And that then can completely depend, like you say, in in a different sort of environment, whether they're going to have a great impact or perhaps they're going to feel frustrated. It's as much about what enables you to be the best version of you as it is to know that what drains you of energy and what doesn't work for you. Whilst obviously there will be some elements of the interviews that I would undertake that will be technical from an HR perspective, most of what I try to get to the bottom of is is really understanding is there a shared vision and shared ways of working between the client and the candidate. That's hopefully where we add our most value, I think. And how much does when you when you know when you place somebody and it's about their career aspirations and them reaching their potential within that organization does the sort of mentoring and sponsorship of that person feed into them being successful I think it depends a little bit on where that person is joining the organization in terms of level because we talk often with clients about hiring candidates with career runway so who can maybe be hired for one two three roles ahead as opposed to just the single role. But of course, if you're placing a a CPO, it's unlikely they will have two or three roles within that organization. So I think, again, that sort of ability to develop themselves isn't always linear, I don't think, in terms of that piece. The mentoring and sponsorship piece is a really interesting one, because mentors are super important. and, And actually, I've over the years run a few varying different mentor schemes for future HR leaders and future TA leaders, etc. And that's always been super useful to share ideas and to give people an environment to speak very openly. I think for me, sponsorship is more important, actually. I think somebody who will genuinely promote you and put their neck on the line for you to help you grow is critical for someone who will really develop their career and realize their potential. So if you can find a sponsor, and it, it, sometimes it only needs to be one within your organization, then I think that can open a lot of doors for you. So how much does sort of drive and curiosity play a part in someone realizing their potential or even unlocking it or the, you know, that age old question potential for what? I think it definitely does. And I think curiosity is probably slightly I would value curiosity over drive because I think drive's great and people who have that drive often will have curiosity. But I think you can have curiosity without necessarily drive and that curiosity will still bring you places. It just may bring you to that place on a different timescale. Again, for me, that's no bad thing. I think people, and I include myself in this, realise aspects of their potential at different stages of their life, whether that's personal, whether that's professional. And there are some people who are 
serial high performers and you know they were awesome at school and they were awesome at uni and they went on a fabulous grad trainee scheme and they've just constantly progressed there's not many of them actually out there I don't think but fair play to those people but I think the majority of the rest of us are people who've had peaks and troughs in their lives peaks and troughs in their career and actually that may or may not be through a lack of drive but I think as long as there's always curiosity there what if I do this what if I try that then I think that's a good thing. And I think almost the reverse of that is the risk-averse piece in that moving away from or or understanding that you can say, what if I do that? But I'm a bit scared to do that, actually. And again, at different stages of your life, you're able to be more or less risk-averse, I think, depending on your own situation. Yeah, no, I really, I I can think back to my 30-odd years and think about when I was in my 20s, probably taking more financial risk than I would do now coming up to 50. And I think that does play a part in the decisions that we make and as you say it is about an individual journey isn't it absolutely and I think it's about moments on that journey you can be in a absolute sweet spot and actually nine out of ten of the external factors that put you in that sweet spot are great and then only one needs to change yeah and it can really change things and that again comes from a personal life from a from a work perspective from anything really so I think we need to be mindful that defining someone's potential is an ongoing process and actually people can have different levels of that at different stages of their career and different hunger for it as well because sometimes we're super hungry and sometimes we're like you know what I'm really quite enjoying what I'm doing and and having the impact that I'm having at this point I don't need to jump for the next shiny thing. You think it is about just jumping to the next shiny thing because when you think about careers a lot of times people think that realizing your potential is about promotion mm. and I like to think about it much more about I suppose progression and possibility well I sort of talk about it much more about possibilities for me potential and possibilities go hand in hand what do you think? I think you're right I mean I've been working in HR recruitment for 18 years and bar probably the first couple of years I've fundamentally done the same job for 18 years for four different firms who have been great in different ways. So whether or not I have actually been promoted per se, I've never owned my own recruitment business, but ultimately I've always worked for the founder or the owner. I've probably from a linear career progression perspective had a really flat career, but actually in terms of how I've progressed and how I've developed and how I think I've become better at what I do, that's come from, yeah, lots of different experiences, lots of different conversations, learning a lot from different leaders and fundamentally good, but sometimes not good and and, and, and all of that. And you're right, actually, it, it does come from those possibilities as much as jump into the next shiny thing, I think I said. I think it's about spotting them, isn't it? And if you're, hmm. you know, if you're listening to this and you're a CPO or you're an HRD and you're kind of thinking about how do I make that happen? It's being open and transparent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. When you think about the market now, Mm. now we're sort of heading into a recession and, you know, some people are calling it that we're going to, you know, there's going to be less possibility. What are the things that you're telling, you know, your CPOs, HRDs to kind of think about in terms of helping their people unlock that potential? And when you think about potential, does it always have to be leadership? No, I I don't think it does. And I think the first thing to say is fundamentally... 99% of the conversations I have each week are with people within the HR profession. The external of that is is people who are perhaps CEOs 
recruiting their HR leaders. And I think the last three years nearly now, HR has never been under such a bright spotlight. Hey, it's been hard. It's been hard for a lot of people. And it's not just about how do we unlock the potential in the rest of the business. It's also how do we unlock the potential in our team and how do we support them and how do we and how do we do that? So a lot of the conversations I will have with with our clients, with candidates is to really try to understand what they want for themselves and for their teams if they're hiring the next two or three years to look like. And actually, sometimes it isn't about necessarily unlocking potential. It's around making sure everybody is is loving what they're doing, thriving in what they're doing and getting the satisfaction from what they're doing. You know, there's a big piece, I think, around actually stability as well in, in, in a market like this and that not being negative. There's nothing negative about that. I mean, people move when people want to move and people can progress internally or externally depending on situations or, or personal desires, but also people can progress in the same role, in the same organisation, just because they get better at what they do or they get slightly more additional responsibility given to them. So the conversations I'm having with the leaders in our network is really trying to understand what their big agenda items are and for those for the business and how potentially we can help them with that or, or I can help their thinking on that as well. So if you're listening to this as a CPO or an HRD, are there any practical things that somebody could do that could get them started if they're starting on that journey? I think to take some time to think about it. And that's going to sound like a really silly thing because you would think people would think about it. But actually, the last two, three years, I don't think HRDs or, or anyone within the, the HR function have had much time to think. They've been pulled all over the place. They've been punch bags they've been working long hours there's been you know a lot of burnout so i think i think it's trying to give yourself some time to reflect so i think it's giving yourself that time and prioritizing your time for yourself as well as for what you need to deliver for the business because you'll only be better at delivering for the business if you are energized and thinking about it so that would be my my, my fundamental piece of advice i think rather than from a a technical you should look at this or you should do that because it's so different for each individual person so where do you get your inspiration from what sort of um do you read what sort of podcast so if people kind of wanted to take inspiration from your development and your curiosity hmm. what would you recommend um again i think this has changed so in, in the beginning i uh, beginning of my career rather i got my inspiration and learning from my bosses so the first person I ever worked for, a guy called Mark Napper um, at Astralis, just awesome. Just just gave me so much insight, so much knowledge, a really good down-to-earth, relationship-driven guy. And I worked with Mark for, for seven years. And at the same time, actually met and worked with Debbie Pask, also at Astralis at the time, who I latterly went on and, and worked with in, in her business as well. And I would say those two have given me almost everything in terms of my grounding and and how I work now. I don't read particularly a lot of business books. I get my insight and information from having conversations with people more than I think because actually that's pretty much my job is to speak to people. So if I end up talking to 20 people you know, a week, I always get a sense of where they're being informed and that helps inform me and understanding what certain organisations are doing, etc., Podcast wise, I use podcasts to unwind. 
And, and I tend to listen to human stories. So Fern Cotton's Happy Place is a, is a standard podcast I'll listen to. And again, reading, sadly, I probably read five to six pages of my book each night before my eyes go. And then, and, and, and that is just most of the time fairly trashy reading. Well, it's a balance, isn't it? Otherwise, if you're always just focused on work, you don't get that rest. And and as you say, you become quite one dimensional. Something I'm still trying to be better at is that sort of delineation from work and play. I do find it quite hard to switch off because it is people you're dealing with and it's people's expectations. It's important for me to feel like I am succeeding for them. And I've done a lot of different online psychometrics over the years and it's always been pretty similar you know it's about trying to be or wanting to be irreproachable it's about wanting to do the right thing for people it's about wanting to help people and and being empathetic but the negative side of that is sometimes I think I try to control things that I can't control and and I think a lot of people who have similar traits are guilty of that in that sometimes it is out of your control and you just have to accept that and people are people and people make decisions for all manner of great reasons that they need to so it's kind of a a piece around trying to accept that and have your home time and have your sport time and have your work time and have whatever sometimes easier said than done though I guess you make a really good point that we're all a work in progress if we were robots we'd be very easy because you you sort of robotically look at it and go well I'm spending 10% on this and 50% on that and everything but the nature of the work that you do and to some degree the work that we do in terms of consultancy because whether it's your selling candidates and we're selling projects and solutions the thing that really binds us together is that care yeah and if you care and you have that as a trait, which I think is part of potential, ultimately, then it is very difficult to switch off. I don't really normally set resolutions, but one of my resolutions this year is I bought a book um, after listening to a woman's hour over Christmas by Claudia Hammond called The Art of Rest. Right. And like you, I was nodding as you were talking. I found over Christmas it really difficult to switch off. It took me a week and I'd gone through a week of my holiday being you know a stress monkey in, in effect but my resolution this year is to think if I'm going to unlock the potential or the, answer the question for me of potential for what for LTT is I've got yeah. to figure out what rest means as part of it and I think that when you are a high performer and you've consistently set yourself high standards I find that a lot with people in businesses in a sense you wear yourself out don't you Absolutely. And I think what I've learned probably over the last three or four years since working with the team at, at Tucker Stone is, is the power of the team. Don't get me wrong, we had awesome teams you know, previously. But when I was working with Debs, it was just the two of us, albeit a great person to work alongside. Now being part of a wider team, I think it took me a while, but it's allowed me, well, I've got better at actually trusting and, and passing stuff on and actually going on holiday and not taking my phone amazing and yeah I mean I know it sounds silly that 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 should be amazing because it shouldn't be amazing should it it should be just the norm and actually it was Olivia uh, Olivia Stone who I remember going away a couple of years ago and I'd done my handover of my three or four projects and Olivia was was handling a lot of it for me and I kept on dipping in and she said to me just stop a because you don't need to because I've got it b because it's just annoying and <laughs> and you're not helping <laughs> and see have a break you know and, and I think there's a part of me that says 
Oh yeah, but I'd, I'd need to know. But slightly control freaky, I suppose. But actually, I've got a lot better at that, and I and I do think it's something that is so important for all of us is to be able to do that that switching off to re-energize and to get to reach your potential um, or to maximize that potential. So that's definitely a learning that I've had more recently. Love it. So Matt, my final question to you is that if people wanted to get in contact with you and learn more about Tucker Stone or learn more about your journey, how might they find you? The classic LinkedIn. So I'm I'm on LinkedIn as Matt Wallace. Feel free to reach out whether you just want to chat about the market, whether you want to chat about your career, whatever, really. Um, I'm always super happy to, to speak to people. That's probably the best way. And, and, and take a look at the Tuckerstone website as well to find out a little bit more about what we do. And yeah, I look forward to, to hearing from anyone who, who wants to connect. Brilliant. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've learned a lot about not only your career, and I can kind of realise that it's not just me that struggles with some of the things that we've kind of talked about, but also I think some really helpful tips and tricks that people listening to this podcast can take and think about as they head into 2023. So thank you so much. Have a great year. And I look forward to catching up with you really soon. Thanks, Joe. Really appreciate you taking the time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Potential for What podcast. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to our new episode all the way to the end. And for that, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. As always, you can head over to letstalktalent.co.uk forward slash podcasts to check out all the links and resources in the show notes and to sign up to our email list. 